That was so not enthusiastic at all. How's it going? That's what I was after. <laughs> Great. I'm glad you're good. Well, good to see you. This is kind of cosy. There's not many people here tonight. So it's like a glorified suburban, which is kind of nice. Suburbans are fun. Um, so tonight I'm preaching, if you haven't figured out by now. Um, <laughs> it's kind of weird for me, actually, because the last few times I've been preaching has been in front of a camera. So it's kind of nice to have a bit of human interaction and not have to stare at a camera alone in a room where the camera doesn't laugh at your jokes and the camera doesn't have any facial expressions and you really have no idea if what you're speaking is good or not. So this is nice. I feel like I've been let out of a box and I can talk to people now, real people. Um, but in saying that, I'm a little bit scared because I feel like I've forgotten how to talk to people, <laughs> preach to people, that is. So um, we're just going to pray before I begin. So feel free. Lord, please help me. Short and sweet, that's what I'm about. So let me just get myself sorted, my notes. So this term's theme, if you don't know by now, is uprising. And if you don't know what uprising means, here's a definition. Uprising is an act of resistance or rebellion or a revolt. So in order for an uprising to happen, a people group or an army or a team of people who know who they're standing with and know what they're standing for um, and why they're even standing, get together to revolutionise a society's current standards. So my question to you is, whose team are you on? Turn to the person sitting next to you and say, whose team are you on? Whose team are you on? <laughs> Love it, very enthusiastic. <laughs> So I'll tell you whose team I'm on. I'm on Christ's team. And how do people know that I'm on Christ's team? I wear my team colours. That's how you tell. And what are the team colours of Christ's team? Love. Love is Christ's team colours. So the way that I love other people is how people tell that I'm on Christ's team. So point number one, your nature shows your lineage. Everyone say that your nature shows your lineage. 1 John chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles. Who has their Bibles tonight? Who has their phones tonight? <laughs> well, you have my permission to um, use the Bible app and not Snapchat or call your mum, even though we all know it's not your mum. Or your dad. All right, 1 John chapter 4. Verses, let me find it, 7 to 10. Should be up on the screens, thanks to Lockie. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So God himself is love. If you don't know what love is, it's God. Um, and as a child of God, you are empowered to love. If you don't know what love is besides being God, here's a definition which you can find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 
verses 4 to 7. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice uh, injustices but rejoices whenever the truth wins out love never gives up never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance so that's what love is and that is who God is if you replace the word love and put God there instead God is patient and kind God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude he he does not demand his own way he is not irritable and he keeps no record of being wronged. He does not rejoice about injustice, but he rejoices whenever the truth wins out. God never gives up. He never loses faith. He's always hopeful and he enjoys through every circumstance. When you're living an upward life, meaning a life in relationship with God, you're empowered to love because that's who God is. It's not that we have to love, it's that we get to love. Loving is a privilege. And most importantly, we get to personally experience God's love for us in relationship with him. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You can't fake authentic, genuine, real love because it only comes from knowing God in a relationship with him. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 3. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. If there's one thing to take away from that passage of scripture, it's without love, it all amounts to nothing. Love is our team colours as children of God. So going back to 1 John chapter 4, the very first thing that that passage addresses is our identity. So we've been identified as children of God. Your identity is not what you do or the clothes you wear or the sports teams you go for or the mental illnesses that you're dealing with or the current circumstances that you're walking through. That's not who you are. You're a child of God and that means you are significant and you are so loved and you have a purpose and a future. So Jesus was the greatest example um, of living an upward life continually in relationship with God. And he knew his identity and his destiny and that's what upward living does. It can be the same for us as well. So in order to love others, you first need your own personal revelation of how much God loves you. Did you know that you're to die for? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. If you replace world with your name, for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. 1 John 4.9-10, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. 
We love because he first loved us. Point number two. Loving others is about living outward. Everyone say that. Very nice. 1 John chapter 4, 11 to 17. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. So when you live an upward life, that encourages you to live an outward life. I'm going to need a volunteer for this next bit. Who wants to volunteer? Don't all jump at once. Chris? All right, Chris, I'm going to get you to hold this cup over this bowl and I'm going to take this off. Okay, can everyone see? So this cup is us, this bowl is others, and this jug is God. So when we live an upward life, God fills us up with his love and then that turns into an overflow for us to love others See how that love is flowing out into others. So we're encouraged to live in, with an overflow of love. Thank you, Chris. You can put that down. Um, to love others. When we live an upward life, we can't help but live an outward life. And that love is an overflow from our relationship with God. Chapter 4, verse 17. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. If you don't know how to love others or you're too scared to love others, then that's okay because you'll grow as you go. As children of God, our love is always being perfected. So you live outward because you're living upward. Jesus lived a very... see one example in John chapter 13, 1 to 17. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loves them to the very end. It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. 
Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's, who, that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do, it, do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So Jesus showed his disciples the full extent of his love for them. He was about to die the very next day. He was about to give up his life for all of humanity in 24 hours, yet here he was washing his disciples' feet. You ought to wash each other's feet. Romans 12 verse 9, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Love requires you to be intentional. So Jesus took a towel and a basin and redefined greatness. And he loved his disciples to the end. 1 Peter 4 verse 8. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. So whose feet can you wash? Now I don't mean that literally, although you can if you really want to. I'm not judging. Um, but metaphorically, who can you honour? Who can you serve and who can you live outwardly? I love the finger pointing. <laughs> you, I can, I can love you. <laughs> Is that what you meant, Kyle? Yeah. Great. <laughs> Point number three. Loving others goes against our social norms. Everyone say that. One John chapter four, eighteen to twenty-one. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. That's either really good news or really bad news for some of you. That means if you have a tiff with someone or if you know you have a bit of beef with someone, you've still got to love them. Luke 6 verse 32. If you love only those who love you, why should we get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. That's a bit of a slap in the face. You've been set apart to be different in this world. Jesus has called you to be different. Society says, I'll love you if you love me. But Jesus says, I'll love you even if you don't love me back, even if it costs me everything. That's the kind of love we're called to live out. I'm going to take it a step further. Luke 6, verse 27 to 28. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. That can't be right. There must be a typo. Let me try that again. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. It's correct. 
Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Is it easy? Nope. Living outwardly, you have to expect it to be painful sometimes. It's going to get so challenging. But the thing is, we don't look to people for validation. We look to God. Our security is found within God. The second you turn your attention to people instead of God to find your validation, you're going to be so disappointed and you're going to be so hurt. So our security is rooted in God. We're called to love hard even when it's hard to love. So this kind of love goes against our social norms. I came across a few cute little quotes this week by um, kids age four to eight. And they were surveyed with the question, what is love? And here's a few that I really enjoyed. Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your French fries without, them, without making them give you any of theirs. That was by a six-year-old. This one's by a four-year-old. Love is when your puppy licks your face even after you left him alone all day. And this one's by an eight-year-old. When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore, so my grandfather does it for her all the time, even if his hands got arthritis too. That's love. But this next one, this next one is by a six-year-old, and it really takes the cake. Okay, a six-year-old. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. Oof. That is heavy, right? When I first read that, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's, that is a slap in the face. I was not expecting that from a six-year-old. I'll say it again. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. Absolute gold. So Jesus is the ultimate example of loving people with a kind of love that went against all kinds of social norms. Um, one example is the story of Zacchaeus. Who knows the story of Zacchaeus? Yeah, a few of you. The old wee little man, a little shorty. So here is <laughs> here's the story, if you don't know the story of Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see of the crowd. So fun fact, he was about five feet four, I think, which is, if I stand up, about here. So quite short. He um, couldn't see over many things, the poor guy. Too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He is gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood there, stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. 
So Zacchaeus was a notorious tax collector who cheated many people. He took advantage of uh, their finances. Um, and there's two very big things happening in this passage that goes against the social norms of this day. So the first thing being, um, no matter your social status, so if you're a king or a peasant, um, you weren't to invite yourself over to someone's house. It was frowned upon. And the second thing, it was frowned upon to hang out with a sinner. So Jesus, as his bold self, went ahead and crossed both lines. Um, But because he did extend this kind of grace to Zacchaeus, a sinner, Zacchaeus then was empowered to live outwardly as well. And and he says, I'm going to return, you know, all these, these people with their taxes with the finances that I've taken. And that's what grace does. That's the kind of outward love that we're called to live. Another example of um, Jesus going against social norms with his love is the woman caught in adultery. If you're not familiar, it's in John chapter 8, 1 to 11. Jesus returned to to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered... And he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his fingers, with his finger, just the one. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. So let's just think about that for a second. This woman, how humiliating would that have been for her being caught in the act of adultery while it was happening, being ripped away out of the room, being dragged to where Jesus was and thrown at his feet in front of a whole crowd. How humiliating would that have been? According to Roman law, the woman should have been executed. She should have been stoned to death. But instead, Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's a crazy kind of grace. That's a crazy kind of love. And it's that kind of love that goes against social norms. Who's heard of red frogs? Yeah, a few of you. (laughs) If you're in year 12, you're probably going to find out who red frogs is very soon. Um, but Red Frogs is a chaplaincy organisation, um, a Christian chaplaincy organisation um, that's often found at major music festivals and, and smaller scale festivals and, um, and at uni parties and, and at leavers as well. So if you're year 12, you're about to graduate, you're about to, you know, about to go on leavers, you'll probably come across some Red Frogs. Um, and we're found in the, the southwest, we're found in Bali and Fiji, although probably not this year because Corona. Um, 
And as Red Frogs, well, I, I get the privilege of to serve with Red Frogs as well. Um, and whenever I'm frogging at a music festival or <laughs> at Levers, um, excuse me, <laughs> whenever I'm volunteering, um, we come across heaps of people who are, you know, a bit too drunk or who have had, you know, drugs or who are just making some bad decisions. And so um, we come across a lot of broken people who are searching um, and who are trying to fill a void. So we often take them under our wing and we, we take them to our red frog's tent and we just have a chat with them. We just give them some water, make sure they're alive, making sure they're okay and they're safe. Um, and after, you know, an amount of chatting, um, they often ask the question, do you get paid for this? And I'm like, no, this is volunteer. We don't get paid. And they're like, what? <laughs> you don't get paid to do this, to look after drunk people? Um, so, yeah, after their, their disbelief, they're like, so why do you do this? Why do you volunteer? Why do you look after us drunk people um, where you could be out living your life elsewhere? And my response is often because we value you. It's this kind of love that doesn't make sense to the world. It's the total opposite of, of today's social norms. Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. This is a, a quote by... Um, the man himself, Scott Jones, the purest form of service is concerned with just loving people. It's not concerned with the result. So we live outwardly because we live upwardly. It's a response to so great a salvation. So just in closing, if I could get everyone to close their eyes, every single one of you, and if I could get the music team up, every single eye closed. I want you to think about someone that you can show outward love to. So maybe it's that weird kid at school that no one really likes to talk to, or maybe it's a family member that's really hard to get along with, or maybe it's someone with a hardened, bitter heart. Who can you show outward love to? And the second thing, while your eyes are closed, if you don't yet have a relationship with God um, and you would like to, don't put it off any longer. They say that the two best days of your life is the day you were born and the day that you find out why. So if you want to know God as Father, ask Him to reveal Himself to you. And if you don't know how to do that, um, feel free to come to the front. There will be leaders out the front here. Um, that can give you a hand in prayer. Um, and just before we go into a bit of ministry time, I'm going to wrap things up there with prayer. So Lord, we thank you for all that you are. And we thank you for the incredible love that you constantly show us, even if we're aware of it or not. Thank you for sending your son on the cross. And Lord, thank you for empowering us to love. Help us to love hard even when it's hard to love.